Yo, Real Deal with a Kill podcast, man. Episode 89. 89, 89, 89. I still can't get over that. 89 episodes and 89 guests. And the 89th guest today, Dr. Cortland Wickland. Yep. Man, I looked through your resume. Man, look, I'm 26 years old. And the stuff you accomplished, I got to shake. I got to shake your hand. Well, thank you. So thank I, you. I, let, me, let me go through this for my, for my listeners and my audience. And first of all, for my audience, I need you to subscribe, like, comment, rate a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and all that. So let's just go through this. One of the youngest African-American graduates from Harvard Law School. Graduated from Rice as the youngest engineer in the nation at age 19. Then became one of, I said, I'm going to say it again for people. Then became <laughs> one of the youngest African-American graduates from Harvard Law School in the university's history at age 22. And was the youngest of more than 94,000 licensed attorneys in the state of Texas at the age of 23. And I'm not, I'm not even done. <laughs> it's some, you got more. Completed, the education, completed his education when he attained his Ph.D. in engineering from Texas A&M University at the age of 25. I'm just telling you, like, I just got through uh, doing, what, on, like, man. A 50, 50 speeches, 25 cities. See, I need more people to introduce me with that type of enthusiasm. Come on, I man. Like that's, that. that's, that's, that's what's that's, up. And then you got a book out right now called Young and Driven. Yes. And you was just on a book tour. Yes. How did that go? Uh, it was exciting. It was great, but it was exhausting. Uh, basically, I took off four weeks from work, and uh, what I was wanting to do was I wanted to uh, basically do my part to give back to the uh, to Texas. And uh, something that I noticed was that a lot of students were very concerned. Uh, we don't realize that regardless of what side of the aisle you are, regardless of what region of the country, whatever your ideology, most adults are on the news saying how horrible things are and how everything is worse today than it was yesterday and it's getting progressively worse. Mm -hmm. And all these kids are hearing that and getting terrified. And so I just wanted to go and uh, be able to talk to these students and encourage them. So it, uh, I ended up giving away a lot of books, but it wasn't technically a book tour. I just was wanting to go out and speak with students. So I took all of my vacation time uh, for the year or that I saved up over the last year and a half at Rice and uh, basically hit the road for four weeks, went to 25 cities, uh, spoke at about, I think, 51 or 52 different uh, high schools, universities, middle schools, and community events, uh, went to every corner of Texas, Texarkana, Amarillo, El Paso, Brownsville, and put about 4,500-plus miles on the van that we rented, and we hit the road. Right. And what, what's the one thing you learned from talking to all these different schools and all these different kids while on this tour? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I got to be extra, so I'm going to give you two. Uh, the first thing was that I know that a lot of times when we're talking to young people, we feel like there's a disconnect and that they're fundamentally different than us. But something that I found is regardless of whether you're in the valley, whether you're up north in the panhandle, east, west, every student that I ran into wanted to be successful. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times they just don't know how to get there. And so that uh, showing them a way of success, sometimes you got to stunt a little bit, even if you're a professional. Uh, so if you only see success embodied by people who are on Instagram, you know, living beyond their means or whatever, 
and you don't understand that the people who are there a little more low-key, they're actually successful as well. Mm-hmm. You don't know to aspire to be like those more low-key people. And the other thing that I uh, learned was that it doesn't take that much to change somebody's perspective and change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, taking a little bit of time out, uh, and I know for me I took a lot of time out because I was trying to talk to a whole bunch of students, but we all have communities, we all have high schools locally, youth groups and things like that. A little bit of time to have a few minutes worth of conversation with them really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, just letting them know that they're not alone, uh, being able to talk about your circumstances and your background because you know everybody likes to introduce the the pristine parts of the resume, the exciting milestones, but you know, I also, my dad died when I was 10. I, I was raised in a single parent household. We, uh, for the entirety of the time I was in high school, we had to look up to find the poverty line because um, my dad died a month after convincing my mom to quit her job and go back to school. So we yeah. went from two income to no income overnight. And oh, by the way, I got two older brothers and all of this was hitting us at once, getting bullied. If I don't talk about the fact that I had to throw hands to get home, then I can't relate to a student who's going through that right now. And so even though, you know, that that stuff is, that's not exactly the thing you want to think about. You don't want to think about when you, you know, uh, I, I thank God for Allen Iverson because he made some fly shoes that were cheap that I could afford off of the money I saved yeah. up. But I wore those Iversons till I had holes in them and was proud of them because I bought them with my money and me doing work. And so if you're willing to access that hurt, take a little time, you can change a student's life. How important was was it for you personally to go to these schools and talk to these kids? Uh, It was incredibly important because I'm Texas born and bred. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Texas is home to me. And uh, I was raised to believe that any place that you visit, so you know we're all on this world for a short period of time, you're supposed to leave it better than you found it. And so I'm visiting Texas, I need to do something to leave it better. And uh, for me, I needed to do my part to impact some positive change. And there's a lot of things that I don't have the ability to do, but you know, being only 29 years old uh, with a lot of students, you know, they're within 10 years of my age sometimes that I was talking to at universities. Uh, the way that I can connect to them is very different than uh, most other people who have the same educational background or the same types of positions that I do. Right. And you know how kids are. And I was a victim of this. Growing up, I always wanted to play ball, especially for, like, African-American kids. Growing up, all we see is TV, sports, music. So we tend to be like, I want to be a ball player when I grow up. I want to be an artist. I want to be a rapper. Mm Mm-hmm. The kids nowadays, did you get that vibe from any of these kids when you was talking to them? So the thing that I found was I want to have nice things. I want to be able to take care of my family. I want to be able to provide for myself, be comfortable. And what a lot of times people aren't realizing is the reason why a lot of these kids want to pursue those honestly more difficult pathways to success because – you know, you have millions of kids wanting to play ball and only, you know, a handful getting recruited each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because those are the only people that they think make that type of money. Right. So something, a lot of times, you know, speakers, they go out to high school, they're a little afraid to talk about salary. But I was very blunt talking about, okay, this is how much I was making when I was 19. This is how much I was making when I was in law school at 22. And so you tell a kid, like, I was... 21 years old making three grand a week Mm -hmm. um 
they start calculating, oh, that's that's rapper money. Oh, that's um, you know, that's some baller money. Yeah. And they start thinking, oh, this is a different pathway of success that I didn't know. And you know, a lot of times, and especially you know, uh, my peers are nerdy engineers as well. Like we mm-hmm. we don't stunt on people, uh, and we don't flaunt. Um, yeah. And so sometimes you got to stunt a little bit just for the kids. Right. Right. Exactly. And do you think do you think nowadays and about the end of twenty twenty, the kids now that's in middle school and high school, do you think their mind is changing as opposed to? Look, I see a lot of people that's CEOs and entrepreneurs that are African American. Do you think that narrative changing now? Like of us, like I said, of us growing up, we wanted mm-hmm. to be athletes and ball players yeah. or rappers or something. Now, do you think that narrative is changing when you meet these kids? They don't want to be the ball player; they want to be entrepreneurs more than the ball player. So I think you definitely have that. I think just one shortcoming that we have uh, when you start getting into the professional realm. Um, is that we don't want to talk about the test so we can have a testimony. We don't want to talk about the hurt so we can reach somebody. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, something that I think athletes and entertainers do way better than a lot of the professionals, the lawyers, engineers, CEOs, executives, is they'll talk about where they came from in a relatable way. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that, as professionals, we need to be a little bit more comfortable being honest about those challenges but, yeah, the more that kids are able to see those and be relatable uh, or those people be relatable by being able to talk about some of their circumstances, talk about where they're from. You know, I don't go anywhere without somebody knowing that I'm from Texas. I even, I'm even rocking some uh, Texas flag cufflinks right now. Yeah. And I make sure people know where I'm from. So then when I'm talking to people from the same place that I'm from, they know that, hey, I went to I went to my old high school and I spoke there to some young man. I went mm-hmm. to my brother's high schools. Like, went to my mom and my dad's high school so I could tell them, hey, you know, yeah, I'm doing all this, but I understand um, my family's from right up the street. And right. so that, I think, the more that we get professionals doing that, the more we will be able to get kids inspired the same way that athletes and entertainers do. Right. So you accomplished the Harvard Law School, mm-hmm. Texas a and got the, it was one of the licensed attorneys at age 23. What were some of the obstacles you had to face in this journey so far? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, so um, no matter how educated you get, no matter how uh, many letters you get in front of or behind your name, you're still a black male in America. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of the uh, for a while I was driving a BMW because I felt like I had made it. That's what you're supposed to do. And I. I eventually couldn't wait to get rid of the car, not because it wasn't a great car, but because I got sick of seeing cops running my license plate thinking I stole my own car. Um, And you you still deal with those struggles. Um, No matter how far you go, you better never forget that you're still black in America. Uh, And so there are, of course, those struggles. Now, of course, things are getting better on some fronts, but Mm. we just got to be careful not to get complacent. Right. Another thing that I think a lot of people assume that, oh, well, I got some degrees, I got to some good schools, that I didn't struggle academically at all. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I always want to make sure people know. Everybody encounters classes that are difficult. Everybody encounters uh, ex- basically things that make them question their ability. Um, and so 
for me, those classes went by the names of thermodynamics, uh, heat transfer, and organic chemistry. And in those classes, I prayed for C's. Um, like, I just prayed yeah. to pass. Yeah. And so, don't, or I always tell students, don't let that first difficulty you hit derail your future. Like, it was worth me struggling through those classes to get the degrees that I got so I was able to, you know, get the jobs and the opportunities that I was able to attain. And so, the challenges... And I already talked about the challenges of, you know, struggling financially. Um, but that financial, the being black in America, and then just the general academic. I mean, on top of all of that, uh, which I, that's also the reason why I encourage uh, people in the community to reach out to some of the, uh, especially black students, uh, but students of color. I mean, you know, you look at what's going on on the border and all of the trauma that our uh, Latino brothers are going through. Like, there's a lot of things going on. Reach out to some of those students and some of those community people because they, they're not only dealing with all the challenges of being a student, they're dealing with the challenges of being a person of color or being that other person uh, in some of these institutions. Right. So did anybody, did anybody inspire you growing up? Oh, yes. So I... Um, part of the reason why I actually wanted to get a PhD at a young age was because when I was uh, in the third grade, I did a report on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and found out he got his PhD when he was 26. Yeah. Uh, me being the competitive person I am, I'm like, okay, well, I want to be a great black man, so I need to compete with great black men, so mm -hmm. I need to get mine at a younger age. That was my goal from when I, I found that out, and so I wanted to get mine uh, before I turned 26, and I literally... Got my PhD, and I think uh, it was maybe 12 days later, I turned 26. And mm -hmm. so that goal was something inspiring. But then also, you know, the first person to tell me that, or I should say one of the first people to tell me that they expected me to be a CEO and run a company and all these different things were my some of my cousins who didn't even have college degrees. Yeah. And so the people who believed in me even before I believed in myself and then, you know, I, of course, my, my mom and dad uh, mostly or they, they did things that made them successful. But uh, mostly it was just there. They inspired me to understand that money comes and goes, material things come and go. Uh, but what you do for people endures. Uh, my, right. my dad's been uh, gone for 19 years and I still have people walking up to me, tears in their eyes, reminiscing about something he did for them, you know, more than two decades ago. Mm. Um, and so that, that definitely inspired me to recognize regardless of what I'm doing in life, I need to take time to give back. Yeah. So was you getting like a lot of attention when you was, when you had the the early achievements of the Harvard Law School and the Rice and the media attention when you was growing up, was it like overwhelming or something? Uh, well, so uh, it was it was unique. Like, you know, getting to see yourself on the news a, a few times, that's cool. Uh, but I luckily had some down-home Southern family members that no matter uh, what you do or who's singing your praises, you still just Cortland little big head kid who talk too much so yeah. they they don't ever let you get too big for your britches and I'm very appreciative of that uh it was it wasn't until I started getting media coverage that I realized some of the stuff that I was doing was abnormal mm -hmm. uh cuz for me you know I was never competing against anybody else I was always only competing against myself and like you know my goals and the things that I had set for myself 
And so the thing that I tell people is don't worry about what other people say about you. You know, that's basically fans. I mean, fans will come and go. Uh, worry about what you want your enduring legacy to be. Worry about, you know, what you want for yourself, what you want for your family, because ultimately what you do for other people and the impacts you have on other people's lives, that's the only thing that's going to last. Right. And something that was like I touched, I thought about too when I was looking at this. I said, man, like all the achievements you made, all you had, I feel like this would inspire you to write this book, The Young and Driven. Yes, yeah, so um, the book Young and Driven is basically uh, when I was realized that I was actually going to meet my goal and I was graduating with my PhD, mm-hmm. I I just started writing about the journey and like different little things that, you know, are thinking back to what helped me get here. And really it was this moment of, oh man, I've been working towards the same thing for 20 years. I finally got it. Now what do I do? And then, so I thought about, I'm always thinking about how to help people. So what started as a personal note for myself, grew into, well, how did I get here and how do I do something next? Mm -hmm. And so this book is basically all of the tips that I have for being successful, setting goals, networking, uh, techniques for project management and inspiring yourself, uh, identifying motivation, all of that. And I put it all in this book and that I ended up doing another edition of it because I didn't feel like it was complete enough based on me going around and talking to people. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of that journey and all of the pitfalls and everything that I had learned along the way. That's what inspired me to write the book. And then uh, I just wanted to make sure that I I love going out and speaking. Um, I Going and speaking at some events later this month just got through speaking at an event earlier today uh but i recognize i can't get in front of everybody and so i wanted if if i couldn't talk to you uh directly i wanted you to be able to talk to me through this book as well as when i do talk to people you know i can be verbose i got a lot of things that i want to share so i can't get to it all in 40 minutes so let me leave you with this book that's everything i could think that you possibly might want to know about success right and i know we was talking about this before we uh started about the importance of reading now for like our generation because a lot of people don't really like to read no more mm-hmm. and if they do they're not really picking up a book and reading it they audio they playing the audio version and how do you feel about that the way the the, the importance of reading now that people don't want to pick up the book and go to Barnes and Nobles or summer or order on Amazon but they're instead listening to it cuz I know I'm not the type of person to listen to a book I I have to pick up a book and read it yeah so if we being real, few people are going to commit to listening to an audiobook and that's all they're doing. So when you're doing an audiobook, a lot of times you're multitasking and I did the air quotes like y'all can actually see that. That's right. <laughs> but a lot of times you're multitasking and you are not really giving full attention to what you're uh, supposed to be listening to. And so for me, I, I do, I'm like you, I do have to, if I really want to know what the material is, I got to pick up the book and read it. Right. Uh, but I think it's important to, if you are not that person who can sit and read a book, at least make sure you're digesting information and don't just look at contemporary authors. You know, for me, I wrote a book on how to be successful, but it's not like I invented any of this stuff. This mm-hmm. is me 
cre- or curating information that I got from everything from the Bible to my favorite rappers to my favorite mm-hmm. movies, and you will actually see quotes from all of the above in the book. Right. Um, and so make sure you're also going back and looking at you know older material. Look at some of the authors from the past because they'll give you some of the unfiltered truth. And so that's something that I think is very important to read because you can't go and listen a lot of times to uh, Fred- Frederick Douglass or you can't yeah. go and listen to you know Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, but you can go read what they wrote. Right. And this, I know we talked about this too as well, was that the the type of book, the list of books, the amount of books that uh, African, black people should read, and you was naming some of them. Yeah, so I, I'm i not going to pretend like I am 100% enlightened and I have been the best about reading. I have been in school for 11 years straight, and basically if I couldn't cite something to a, my dissertation or it uh, wasn't something that was explicitly assigned to me, I didn't necessarily have time for leisure reading. And so now that I'm finally out of school and I have more time to read, I'm trying to basically get through all the books that I feel like help me know more about what it is to be a black male in America and just to be a man in America or a man in the world. And so, you know, I'm right now I'm on uh, the autobiography of Frederick Douglass, and I'm basically just trying to move through those books. I, next up is, uh, for me, the autobiography of Malcolm X, and then I'm moving to uh, actually some of my friends who have written books. I want to mm-hmm. make sure to read their stuff as well, but trying to mix in some contemporary as well as a bit of older stuff. And it just helps you because somebody writing a book 50 years ago or 100 years ago that's a snapshot of life at that time. And so it'll give you some more perspective. And the crazy thing is um, I read The Miseducation of the Negro, and it was crazy to read a book that was written, I think uh, at this point, over 100 years ago, or right at 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. and to see them talking about problems that we're dealing with today. And so seeing that can be really eye-opening, and it can give you a different perspective on things. Right. Right, exactly. Young and driven people. <laughs> I'm going to need y'all to take to buy this book. Where can they buy it from? Uh, Amazon or my website, www.courtlandwickliffe.com. That's C-O-R-T-L-A-N-W-I-C-K-L-I-F-F.com. Uh, Monday, take that camera off the thing. It'll bring it closer. I think people need to understand the importance of reading. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to just sit here and lie and say I'm just, I just read every day. But if there's a book I want to read, damn it, I'm going to read it. Yeah. And I, people need to read. Yes. And read more than just tweets and uh, little Instagram. Facebook articles and things like that. It's not lying. It's telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, I'm not hating because, you know, I still do enjoy going through my feed. It's just, um, you know, a lot of that stuff isn't edited. It isn't something that's verified. If you want to get, like, if you go to an older book, by the time something got published in the 1950s, it had gone through a lot of people, and it was something that, if it's still around today and people are still reading it, it's something that uh, really is given some knowledge. And so you want to get that knowledge, soak up that wisdom. Look, young and driven. Okay? Young and driven. There's a lot of young people out here. I'm 26 years old. So that's considered young. Yeah. We're both young. Honestly, if you're still above the dirt, um, you young in my eyes. I don't care if you're uh, 7 or 70. 
you still got some impact that you can make. And if you're looking for some motivation, uh, you should check it out. Look, I like the quote you said, too. Success can be achieved by anyone who is driven enough to apply unrelenting, consistent, and in, in, intentional effort to make the dream reality. I got to start that over one more time because I messed up. <laughs> so I got to start over one more time so people can actually understand it. Success can be achieved by anyone who is driven enough to apply unrelenting, consistent, and intentional effort to make their dreams a reality. That is a goddamn Instagram quote. <laughs> so do I have permission to take that and yeah. post it on one of my pictures? Yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, and understand, because I'm, I'm somebody who I'm intentional with my words. So the reason why I wasn't just using words so I could uh, show off my SAT skills. Right. Uh, the reason why I say unrelenting is because a lot of times you're going to be hit by setbacks. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it can't, it can't be helped. Um, some of them you'll see some coming, some of them will completely blindside you. And so you got to be unrelenting. You got to persevere. Uh, I say consistent because a lot of times we will work, work really hard for a period of time, but we won't keep it going. Like it's kind of like come January 1, the gyms are filled up, but come, uh, you know, March 1, they're empty. Like, right. And then we wonder why we don't have the beach bodies, which I'm working on mine because I got a little yeah. pudgy, got some happy weight on me from yeah. my wonderful relationship. Yeah. Um, and then I say intentional because you can't just haphazardly be successful. You need a plan. Mm -hmm. um, and so th those three adjectives are something that I'm very intentional in my use because I believe that you need to persevere, you need to uh, apply consistent effort, you need to be working at it continuously, success doesn't happen overnight, and you need a plan. If you do those three things, you will uh, accomplish some great things. Right, and that's my last question too. Will there be any more books in the future? Yes, definitely. I'm already working on uh, another one right now. I, I'm I'm kind of playing a little close to the vest because I still haven't quite crystallized it. But uh, what I, I want the subject to be is basically um, something that I'm noticing is that a lot of times when you're talking to people from previous generations, they don't understand how different things are for us today. So mm -hmm. something as basic as the degree that I got from Harvard, um, it would take years for me to pay that off. Um, it's Basically, I think the total cost of my Harvard Law School education was maybe uh, 150 or 200K. God damn. I'm, thinking, I'm struggling on TSU's goddamn student loan. That's $38,000. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, nah, you don't want to hear about what my current student loans are. Now, with that being said, it was a worthwhile experience. It's just I'm juxtaposing that to say, you know, back when if my grandparents had gone to Harvard, they would have spent, you know, maybe like a, a couple thousand for their education. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that across the board, you know, education has gone up 400, 500, 1,000 percent in cost since, you know, the previous generation attended those same schools, a lot of times they're not understanding that difference. So I just wanted to write a book, based, or I'm working on writing a book where I am basically reaching out to the millennials and letting them know, hey, I know things are different than they used to be, but we still have pathways to success and really being intentional about identifying kind of some of those differences and basically making a book that allows millennials to be encouraged and then allows the previous generations to look at it and understand a bit more about our plight so they can understand uh, the differences and how they can better work with us. There you have it. Dr. Cortland J. Wycliffe, Younger Driven, the book is out now. 
Real Deal with a Q, episode 89. We are out. Good talking to you.